Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of the Yard. It's already been a, a fast week. We're already into it. It's it's crazy. It's already Wednesday. It's already Hump Day. We can be here before you know it. It's like, it seems like it's like that every time that we have a, a real busy stretch here. That uh, you know, there's always something going on. So the days seem to come a little more rapidly. You know, it's like you don't have enough downtime to just kind of decompress. And so, like this week is one of those where you. We have you know baseball on Tuesday. We have baseball on Wednesday, and then the women's basketball tournament begins on Wednesday, and then you've got spring practice begins on Tuesday. And so there's been something every day. So there's a lot to talk about on the show. Hope that you guys are well today. I want to remind you if you have not done so, and several of you have, and I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. If you haven't done so, you can order your Stark Villain gear by going to StarkVillain.com. we got the black and white shirts. we got the black and gold shirts. And that's something we really want this to be like a game day shirt. We did a lot of local stuff, too. Did uh, you know some school colors of sorts that uh, people can get can kind of get behind. And so you can go find the uh, the long sleeve, the short sleeve, the, the hoodie. There's so many different options to choose from. Very, very happy to, uh, to partner with the, uh, the fine folks. Uh, that are they're responsible for all this. Same folks that are involved with Deep South Pouts. You know it's going to be quality stuff. And uh, so many people have come up and said, hey, Steve, love the shirt. Uh, love the whole idea. Looking forward to the book. And uh, I'll give you an update on that. The uh, the book's going well. It's one of those things where, uh, you know, I'll go through these uh, phases where I'll punch out two or three chapters in a week and then kind of take a week off and kind of get back to it. And uh, working on the uh, Mario Austin chapter today. How about that? Mario Austin will be in the book, and uh, got some more interviews to do. Got some interesting stories, kind of off the beaten path, stories that maybe perhaps you've never heard, and a couple of these I had never heard before until I began this writing process. And I'm eager for you guys to get to know those stories as well. So there's going to be some, it's a lot of football, a lot of football. We got some baseball stuff, we got some men's basketball stuff, uh, got some women's basketball stuff, and uh, st- great stories of the rivalry told from the people who lived and played through all that. And um, a couple other stories, too, that uh, really aren't from the fields of play that involve some Mississippi State students from, uh, from days gone by. And so eager for you to, uh, t- 
to just be a part of all that and and uh, and hold this book in your hands and kind of enjoy some great stories about your favorite school and being Mississippi State. I also want to thank our friends at Campus Bookmark, uh, Stan Ray, Mrs. Kathy Brown, the whole crew there. They will treat you like family because you are family. It's as simple as that. Many of you bought your textbooks at Campus Bookmart when you were students here. Now it's time to outfit your family and update your wardrobe with the latest in maroon and white fashions. And if you are looking for those SEC championship shirts, you can find them at Campus Bookmart. If you can't make it to town, maybe you're one of those Bulldogs that's uh, kind of living in an outline area, which is out of the Golden Triangle. You know, Maybe you're across the country somewhere and you want to support a... Uh, a Starkvillian institution, and we always encourage you to do that. I know it's so there's so many options out there to go buy Mississippi State gear, but please spend your dollars in Starkville, and uh, there's not a more Starkville place than Campus Bookmart. And so go to campusbookmart.net, and uh, we'll save you a little cash for being a loyal Boneyard listener. Use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson, and get free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Our top story of the day, Mississippi State wins a top 20 matchup on the baseball diamond last night. Very, very good win for Mississippi State over East Carolina. Mississippi State currently ranked number 7, East Carolina 18 in the D1 baseball poll. That's the one that I kind of defer to. There's so many of them out there, I guess, and, and State is a consensus top team in all of the major baseball polls. But one of the reasons that I aired a D1 baseball, those guys actually get out and go cover college baseball. There are a lot of people that just kind of throw a poll together based on last week's results and stats, but these guys, these guys actually go see teams play. I don't know that I agree about Florida being a top-five team with four losses, but that'll all work itself in time. But uh, East Carolina, <clears throat> a good quality midweek opponent. thought Mississippi State managed the game very, very well. It was one of those games, too. It, it's not the typical midweek-type game. And uh, it's really a big deal, and, and give East Carolina some credit for scheduling State and Ole Miss in back-to-back days in, in midweek play, you know, here basically, you know, 10 days away from beginning conference play. And uh, so tip of the cap to those guys. They came in. I really thought State was outstanding on the mound, and, and that has kind of been the case all year. That is that is a broken record I think we can all get behind It's the fact that the uh, – the Diamond Dogs are getting great pitching. That hasn't always been the case. We've had some great offensive teams, and there are times we've had one or two pitchers. But uh, what State is trotting out there now, every arm has been very, very consistent. Uh, it's one of those things you look at and say, okay, you pinch me, is this really happening? Because it seems that uh, Coach Foxhall and, and Coach Lamonis and Jake Gotro and Coach Cheese and those guys really have the team turning in the right direction very early in the year. Keegan Games got got the start last night, but uh, it was it was a planned outing. It was basically one time through the order, and then we're going to pull him, and uh, that way they can get him back on rotation for Sunday. Didn't want him to uh, to miss a start due to Sunday's cancellation out in the Frisco Classic, so he goes just the the, uh, you know, the two innings there. Gets through the order, had a little trouble early on. Uh, gives up a single, and then uh, gets the ground ball right back to the pitcher for a double play, tosses to short, Westberg drops it. The next thing you know, there's two men on, nobody out. Keegan bears down, gets out of the jam, then turns the thing over. And, uh, you know, State, again, it's one of those deals where it doesn't really matter who you trot out there. Jake Egan goes out there for an inning. I I don't know if that was planned or not, but uh, Egan's one of those guys that's kind of been a a sneaky contributor. You don't hear his name mentioned a lot, but then you go look at the box scores and you see one inning pitch gives up one hit, 
Uh, only faced four batters, 14 pitches. We're in and out of the inning without any damage. Then Peyton Plumley comes in. That's he's your, he. Peyton's going to be kind of your midweek starter of choice in many respects because in, you know Peyton is basically an SEC weekend guy throwing a midweek game, and that just again kind of speaks to the depth of this Mississippi State pitching staff that you have that option because I think many of us expected you know Peyton to be a, a weekend guy, and he and Keegan James uh, competed for that spot. And uh, so it's kind of an it's, it's almost an embarrassment of riches to be able to have a guy that with SEC pitching experience to be able to throw on Tuesday or Wednesday night for you, and you begin to look ahead and look down the schedule and say, you know what, this is this is a guy. Once we get into the the conference play and uh, and we need a long reliever, we've already got that guy identified. You know what you know what to expect from Riley Self. You know what to expect from Peyton Plumley. But Peyton goes out there, and gives you three innings, one hit, one run. That run is earned. Gets four strikeouts against 13 hitters, 57 pitches. Uh, but, you know, his availability for the weekend, should he be needed, I don't know that he would be. I think we've got enough depth that you don't have to really stress arms this time of year. Uh, but goes out, gives you another good outing. And, and that's the one thing I think with Peyton that I have been most pleased with is just the consistency. You know what to expect from him, game in, game out. That wasn't the case two years ago. You know, sometimes he'd have some control issues, and sometimes he would be absolutely dominant. And then the next game, he would, he would get hit a little bit. This year, he is a guy that has been very, very efficient with his pitches. He does get a lot of strikeouts, but he also kind of pitches to contact at times and allows the defense to work for him. So, again, you know what to expect from Peyton. Tristan Barlow comes out, gives you a good a good inning there, kind of kind of becoming that left-handed specialist. And some people try to stack the lineup and put two or three left-handers in a row, and that's kind of what happened. And the game kind of played out well because – you know, we're able to Barlow, bring Barlow in and have that lefty-lefty matchup. And, uh, again, an inning pitch allows just in one hit, three strikeouts, four batters faced, 13 pitches. So he so he strikes out the side on 13 pitches. 13. Uh, then uh, Colby White, and I, and I don't know this box score is actually correct because I remember scoring this myself. Colby White comes in, uh, absolute gas. It's one of those things you look at this thing because I remember Colby White struck out the side on 11 pitches. I think that Tristan Barlow's numbers might be wrong a little bit, but nevertheless, both the guys come and do a great job for you. Colby White is a guy that uh, it's kind of amazing. He he's around five ten and a half, five eleven, and he's still in ninety four, ninety five on a regular basis. And he's kind of taken over that role as the setup guy for Cole Gordon. Cole Gordon comes in last night pitches in and, and yes he has pitched in three straight games he would not have pitched on Sunday according to what Chris Lamontis told us on Saturday that was that was not the plan they said hey I asked him was everybody available for Sunday from from a relieving standpoint he says Cole Gordon might be the only guy that would be unavailable because he didn't want to stress him by going three days in a row well then of course he gets Sunday Monday rest comes out uh, one inning last night had a little bit of issue gets a strikeout ball gets away there runner gets on then we get a ground ball back to the mound. Cole can't field it cleanly. Everybody ends up being safe. So what does he do? He ends up getting four strikeouts in the inning. Uh, and here's the deal with Cole Gordon. He has had six appearances this year. He has two wins, four saves. So you know, when Cole comes in, you can pretty much expect the Bulldogs to win. Now, we understand nobody expects Cole Gordon to be perfect this year. Nobody expects that. There's not a picture on the staff you look at and say, okay, this guy is going to be just, you know, he's going to be knowing Ryan every time out. That's that's not going to be the case. When we get into SEC play, we're going to have some adversity at times. But the great thing is, is you've got some depth here. So when somebody is having, you know, a challenging day, 
you don't have to ride that wounded horse. You know what I'm saying? You can go ahead and just make a move, pull that guy out of there, and we'll regroup tomorrow. You've got some options. You've got some depth here. And uh, that's the thing that I guess is maybe the biggest surprise of this team. We expected to be pretty good offensively. We expected to have uh, decent weekend pitching. I don't know that we expected the bullpen to be this deep. And let's be fair. I mean, let's let's give the team a little credit here. It's not like we're playing, you know, a lot of inferior competition. And and, and what I what I mean by that is, is many of these teams that Mississippi State has played in a non-conference are expected to make the NCAA tournament. So it's not like you're lining up these schools. You know, you're not playing Mississippi School of Math and Sciences. Okay, all due respect to those kids. You've played Sam Houston State, who will, will probably win their league. You, you've played Texas Tech, a team that is considered one of the favorites in the Big 12, picked to win the Big 12 by many people. East Carolina is a an NCAA tournament constant. That They even host some regionals there, okay? You have those folks come in and play a part of that. Southern Miss is a team that was picked to win Conference USA. So when you start looking at this, this is not a uh, a situation where state's confidence is built on false confidence. It's not one of those things where you're just simply the better team you're playing some some very, very capable teams, and you're still winning those games. And I think that's one of the things that Chris Lamona spoke about uh, last night is this team, just they, 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 believe they're go, they believe they're going to win. Every time out, they expect to go win the game. And let's be honest, they're one pitch away from being undefeated, currently 11-1. and one. Go back to that Friday night game against uh, Southern Miss. You know, we'll get a timely base hit there the ninth inning, and uh, we're completely undefeated. Might even be, uh, you know, challenger for number one in the country now number one in the country in march doesn't mean a whole lot okay we want to be number one in the country in june that's what we're pushing for i told you guys last year that i expected us to be a great team this year we could just find one more pitcher we've done that jt ginn's come in had a chance to speak to mike ginn last night jt's dad uh, after the ball game never met him in person before uh, gene swindall had uh covered JT as a recruit and, and uh, had a relationship with Mike. I got a chance to meet Mike and meet Tanner Allen's dad. And and John Mangum's always around and uh, enjoy having a chance to kind of visit with those baseball parents and kind of get their take on things. And I, I'll tell you, one of the things that I've learned about baseball parents is that they're, they're all very optimistic, but they're maybe a little more realistic than, than most of us are because you know, they hear about it every day. And so everybody's like, you know what, we got a chance to be really good, but let's just take it one game at a time. Let's just kind of slow down here. Let's not get out over our skis here and start, you know, booking rooms for Omaha. Uh, but you kind of get a sense from talking to the parents that they kind of get a feeling, too, that, you know, some good things are happening. And, you know, after what this team went through last year, uh, the first half of the year, I think this is uh, exactly what you needed. And so many people, when State hired Chris Limonis, when John Cohen hired Chris Limonis, a lot of people were skeptical. Well, we're going out and getting this guy from Indiana. I, I will tell you, based on my interactions with Chris, and uh, and I've attended every game this year, home or away, every single one of them, Chris gets it. He absolutely gets it. He treats everybody with dignity and respect. I was in the baseball office yesterday interviewing Jake Gotro, and I'll have uh, that story up later today. But uh, I, I, can't, I can't ever leave the baseball complex without having a chance to visit with Chris. Chris always comes up, says hello. Hey, make sure you got everything you needed. If you ever need anything, please reach out, let us know. And every time that I've had interaction with him in postgame, he's always the guy that, that finds something, number one, to build on, to correct, but to be positive about. You know, he's not a guy that, that, that looks for the negative 
but he's also a realist. And I think that his demeanor as a coach meshes well with success. And what I mean by that is, is he never gets too high, never gets too low. Never gets too high, never gets too You don't have these emotional overreactions to adversity or to success. We just continue to manage the moment. And uh, I, I would say that's the biggest takeaway right now with me and Chris Lamonis is that I believe that his even-keel demeanor is going to pay some dividends for us. Because I'm, And, again, I'm not going to be negative about other coaches, okay? I'm, I'm not going to do that. But I believe sometimes when you have that emotional negative reaction, and, listen, sometimes part of coaching is you got to go get in somebody's backside and straighten them out, okay? That, that, that's a necessary part of the deal. That doesn't mean you got to do it all the time. And I remember speaking to some players last year, Hunter Stovall being one of them. L- love him. Absolutely love Hunter. Great young man. Was a great ambassador for Mississippi State. Um, wish him the absolute best in professional baseball. But I remember him telling me last year, shortly after we made the coaching change, that, you know, all of a sudden it was okay for us to make a mistake. And I asked him, I said, well, kind of explain what you mean there. And he, and he was careful what he said. Because, you know, he said, used to, if, if we ever made an error, it was the end of the world. And we kind of knew that before we even went to the dugout. You make an error in the field, you kind of knew what to expect when you got to the dugout. And so as a result, they played tight. If you look at this team today, they're having a lot of fun. And they love playing with and for each other. You never have those guys that come out there and it's all about me, you know. But uh, I'm very, very impressed with how the club is being managed and how they're responding to this coaching staff. And uh, had multiple players tell me this coaching staff really cares about them, not just as players but as people. They want them to do well, and they're putting them in a position to be successful rather than constantly berating them when things don't go as planned. And, and, you know, all of you had grandmothers that say, you know, you catch a lot more flies with uh, with honey than vinegar. And um, that that kind of appears to be the case. And I, I think what we're going to see as we push on into the next several days is Mississippi State will push into the top five and we'll head down to the University of Florida uh, with a huge, huge, huge national-level series to open SEC play. And I think because of the fact that your Bulldogs went to the Frisco Classic, and played a couple of uh, NCAA tournament teams down there, and then come home and play East Carolina. That they are going to be prepared for that series. Now we, you know, Florida, we know what to expect from Florida. They're, they're, their team is expected to be in Omaha every year too. Having a chance to go down there and and take a couple of games would be huge, not just for the SEC race, but for the race to be potentially be a national seed. And that that's possible. That's absolutely possible. I think when you begin to look at this league and see how things are shaking out in the early going, there's some very, very good teams. A&M is kind of laying in the weeds a little bit, not hitting the baseball as well as people hope, but they're pitching the ball exceptionally well. A&M led the SEC in the ERA last year. and They got most of those guys back. And so they're a team I think that uh, certainly will host and they're very capable. But I think when you look at this league, you know, Vanderbilt, obviously number one team in the country. Uh, They've got arms. Uh, They've got a program there. You know, they're, they're consistently going to be a good team. But I think LSU had a tough weekend, but LSU's going to be back. Okay, that's one of the things we've learned over the years with LSU is they always have talent. And uh, they will be pretty dominant at times, and then they'll drop a series, but they always find a way 
to kind of get it going later in the year. Once we get in a conference play, that's a huge series for us. Very, very happy that's going to be uh, in Starkville. You look around uh, Ole Miss, they're going to be right in the thick of things. I know they're not pitching it as well as they had hoped, uh, but uh, they'll play, play East Carolina tonight. But uh, I expect Ole Miss to be right there. I think when you look at Vanderbilt, Florida, LSU, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, those are five teams that you feel really, really good about hosting and possibly chasing a championship. And I think A&M's kind of a dark horse. you got you know maybe six teams there that you feel could really challenge for the SEC. Auburn, we expect to be an NCAA tournament team, uh, and then it all kind of shakes down from there. But um, this league is very unforgiving. And um, as Jake Gotro told me yesterday, it's kind of the league of no mercy, and I, I think that's accurate. But I think this team, because of the leadership on this team, guys like Jake Mangum, guys like Jordan Westbrook, guys like Ethan Small, they appreciate the moment, but they're taking it a day at a time. And today, it's about Arkansas Pine Bluff. They'll go out there and treat Arkansas Pine Bluff like they're the University of Arkansas, and they'll go out there and play to the best of their abilities and try to win the ball game. And hopefully we can go out there and put some runs on the board and uh, get some at-bats for some of these younger guys and then get ready for uh, a three-game series with the University of Maine. It's a real possibility your Bulldogs uh, go on a pretty good stretch here. You won seven in a row right now. And you look at it, you get uh, five games between now and the time you go to Florida. Arkansas Pine Bluff, three against Maine and one against Grambling. I think State should win all those games. Put yourself in a position to be, what, 16-1, headed down to Florida? Rarefied air. I want to remind you guys, when you're in town, Bulldog Burger Company is absolutely the place to go and break bread. Uh, love going there. Love the staff there. Love the selections there. You can get what you want there. Going to Bulldog Burger Company will cure what ails you. And uh, there are a lot of times... That great restaurant-quality hamburger may turn around your whole week. Sometimes you got to treat yourself. You know, you spend so much time taking care of the kids and worrying about things at work, and, and sometimes you just got to take some time for yourself, go sit down, break bread with the people you love, and have a great restaurant-quality hamburger. There, aren't, there are a few things in life better than that, and you're going to get that at Bulldog Burger Company. I always encourage you to get the spring rolls. Uh, you know, kind of, a, kind of a dark horse favorite of mine there are the chicken wings. They season them just right, and you get two options there. Two options. You should absolutely love those. Go by and give them a try. Again, Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Starkville people go to meet, M-E-A-T. So uh, men's hoops last night, uh, not not a good game at all, at, at, at all. And uh, that's the thing about this team is um, you know, as good as things have gone at times, because we, we just, we're just off a five-game winning streak. We've lost a pair of games on the road. Uh, that's – you know, it's to be expected, but at the same time, too, it is disappointing because the way that State played those games, State made a late run at Auburn to make that game look a little more respectable, but at times we just didn't play well. And then uh, the, the game against Tennessee last night, it, when State began missing those layups and missing dunks and all that kind of stuff, you just kind of had a feeling it wasn't our night. But State's within five points there at the half, and then the second half, the size and strength of Tennessee in the post took over, and I really felt like we quit. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, rebounds and defenses are about effort and attitude. And I don't think that we demonstrated a great effort or attitude in that second half. Now, and I can't explain to you why that is. I just know what I saw. And there were multiple times where Tennessee gets an offensive rebound where there really not even a state player that even elevates and tries to compete for the rebound. Uh, that's a problem. And I think, you know, kind of taking a step back here, so many people have asked about attendance. And so many people have asked about, you know, belief in this team. And I'll, I'll tell you, 
I think it's that kind of stuff. It's that, that Jekyll and Hyde stuff. I think that, that there are times this team is difficult to like. And what I mean by that is, is like you go out there and you have a good game and you feel good and you think, okay, great. And then uh, when you have a chance to have a special moment that um, the team doesn't come through and then it doesn't seem they give a competitive effort at times. And uh, I know that's one of those things some people hear that and say, Steve, you're being negative. No, I'm being honest. I don't think that we play inspired basketball when we expect to lose. And that's the reality of things. I think we went to Kentucky, and uh, I thought Q played outstanding. And um, But then, you know, once the game began to kind of get away from us, it's kind of like, okay, well, everybody expects us to lose anyway. Let's just go get on the bus. That's how it felt last night against Tennessee. I did not expect Mississippi State to beat Tennessee. And I'm also not a person that, you know, when they do lose, I'm not going to go get on social media and, you know, lose my mind. Because, you know, it's one of those self-fulfilling prophecies where if you if you expect them to lose, how can you be disappointed when they lose as you expected? And, and that's not to be negative about the team. I just think Tennessee is a horrible matchup for us. I think with their size inside, I mean, Admiral Schofield is an absolute monster. Uh, Williams is too. You know, it's probably going to be your SEC player of the year. But it's just not a good matchup for us because I just don't think that we have the physicality to really get in there and bang with those guys uh, on the interior. And it showed. I think over time they wore us out. They kind of wore us down, and uh, we kind of laid down. I, I will say I give Tyson Carter some credit for playing hard until the end. Uh, I felt like that's what happened with him. I think uh, at times Q gets a little frustrated when he's not getting calls because I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't watch enough of the other teams regularly maybe to give uh, you know an accurate assessment of this. But I, from, based on what I have seen, I don't know anybody that gets hammered more than Quindaric Weatherspoon does over a ball game. He gets beat up over the course of every single ball game, and some of that's his style of play. I mean, he wants to get to the rim, he wants to get to the line, so he's going to bring the fight to you. But I don't know that I see anybody get more uncalled fouls in this league than Quinn Derrick Weatherspoon. State's going to have to get Lamar Peters going again. Eric Coleman's going to have to kind of return form. Uh, if this team's going to make a run, and I think you know, some people have said, "Well, now they know that their, their ticket is punched. They're uh, you know they're taking a break." I don't know that I, I agree with that. I think that they have uh, gone. It's difficult to win on the road in this league, and they go down and play Auburn, a team that's fighting for their tournament lives, and I believe they're in now. And then they go play Tennessee, a team that's fighting for a number one seed on Senior Day. Uh, and so I think, in many respects, the uh, the odds are probably against the Bulldogs. But uh, the Bulldogs will have their own Senior Day this Saturday. Hopefully you can come out and see the Bulldogs play uh, against Texas A&M. I know Quindary Weatherspoon deserves it. I know Eric Coleman, those guys, you got some seniors that have uh, that have worked very, very hard for you. And uh, they're, they're, they're done playing basketball at Humphrey Coliseum after this weekend. They'll go on the road and have an opportunity to play an NCAA tournament, play an SEC tournament. We'll see how things go. Uh, I believe State's pretty much locked in right there, probably a six, maybe a seven seed. Need to win that ball game this weekend, kind of remove all doubt. If you could win a game or two in the tournament, I think that helps you. I don't think you see State rise above a six unless maybe they win the SEC tournament, then could be a five seed there. But uh, I think it's one of those deals where it kind of is what it is. But you just need to go win the games you're expected to win and then see what happens with the matchups once you get into the tournament. Everybody's going to be good in the NCAA tournament, but there are going to be some teams that match up with you better than others. And so – that's kind of how we see it. And like, there's some people out there saying, well, we could make the Sweet 16. Well, yeah, you've got the talent to do it. It's just going to be about matchups. And so uh, I don't expect any of that at this point. Until we see the NCAA bracket, I think it's impossible to even speculate on that. 
I am happy that we are back in the tournament. That is a step in the right direction. And then we'll see what happens from here. Because once you get there, uh, that's the thing about Lamar Peters, you know, that's one thing we've learned about him, is that uh, one day he can wake up and decide just to go take over a game and uh, go pour 30 points in and uh, hand out you know, a dozen assists and just look like an NBA lottery pick. That is within him. He is capable of doing that. So hopefully that will happen. Uh, but the bottom line now is State's got to go beat Texas A&M, and that would make them 10-8 and eight in this league, uh, a step in the right direction to get a winning record in the conference. And uh, I think State's currently, what, fifth in the league, projected to be number four in the league, and you're currently five. So you're pretty much living up to expectations. And I know that sounds a little silly after a disappointing showing against Tennessee, but we're pretty much where we expected to be at the beginning of the year. We've dropped some games probably in a fashion we didn't hope to, but I think when you look at where we are, State is living up to expectations. They're not playing their best basketball as of late, but some of that is because of the fact that you've you played NCAA tournament teams on their home floors. Now it's time to go return that favor uh, to Texas to Texas A&M. One thing I forgot to mention during the baseball segment of the show is that uh, Mississippi State will wear teal uniforms today in baseball. Uh, first time in school history from what everybody believes in honor of, of Alex Wilcox. And uh, it's continued Mississippi State's continued fight against ovarian cancer. Coach Van Studeman will throw out the first pitch. 2019 softball team will be on hand too. We encourage our fans to wear teal today uh, to show their support. I think this is a great thing that uh, Mississippi State has done and continues to do uh, for Alex Wilcox. You know, I begin to think about um, you know, Kiefer McGee and uh, think about, you know, the other Bulldogs we've lost. And, and uh, this is something that I think will stay with us and in many ways kind of define us as a program. I think it's one of those losses that, uh, that you remember. And uh, everybody that knew Alex Wilcox will tell you you know, what a great girl she was and how brave and courageous she was in her fight against ovarian cancer. And so uh, Ben Sudeman, Mississippi State, did the absolute right thing by sticking with her as a prospect. I mean, it's like there's so many things in big-time college athletics. There's so many people out there that, um, you know, cut corners. But uh, when this happened, when Alex was in high school, Mississippi State did the right thing. And I'm so unbelievably grateful, and I think you all are as well, to know that Alex Wilcox was part of our family and will continue to be part of our family as we move forward and uh, will forever be a Bulldog. And uh, my hope is is that we continue to do this to honor her memory, but also to, to provide hope and inspiration to other women who suffer with ovarian cancer. So uh, moving right along here, uh, the Mississippi State women's team, some big new things for them uh, over, the, over the last couple of days. Uh, the postseason awards are coming out. Vic Schaefer named, uh, I guess, the Associated Press and the SEC Coaches Awards were announced yesterday. We'll run through them real quick here. Your SEC Coaches of the Year, according to the coaches, it's a tie with Matthew Mitchell and Vic Schaefer. Um, Matthew Mitchell, a Louisville, Mississippi native, has some connections to Mississippi State. Very, very happy for Coach Mitchell. If I had to cast the deciding vote, I'm going to go with Vic there's no question to me. You lose four seniors off of a national championship appearance team, and you still go back and win back-to-back SEC championships. Um, to me, that is um, an easy decision. Matthew Mitchell's a great coach, but I think the job that Vic Shaver's done this year is a little bit better. 
Player of the Year, Tierra McCowan, Mississippi State, no question there. Freshman of the Year, Ryan Howard from Kentucky, very, very deserving honor there. Very, she's a future star in this league. Defensive Player of the Year, Tierra McCowan. Sixth Woman of the Year, Sierra Porter from Missouri. And a Scholar Athlete of the Year, Macy Morris from Kentucky. Uh, if you have not watched Kentucky play much, when you get the opportunity to watch them play in the, in the SEC and NCAA tournament, she is your girl. She is outstanding. She plays basketball the right way. Real blue-collar player, not scared to take a shot. Uh, great ambassador for this league. Looking at your first team, Sophie Cunningham, Tierra McCowan, Kennedy Carter, uh, Kalia Robinson, Andrea Howard, Ryan Howard, Ayanna Mitchell from LSU, Macy Morse from Kentucky. That's your first team. The coaches uh, apparently believe you can play with 10 players. But uh, second team, uh, Taisha Harris from South Carolina, Chelsea Dung- Dungee from uh, Arkansas, uh, Taya Cooper from South Carolina, Janiah McKay from Auburn, Renaya Davis, Tennessee, Alexis Jennings, South Carolina, uh, Mariola Fasula from Vanderbilt, and uh, Crystal Allen from Ole Miss. And so that's going to be uh, your all-SEC teams according to your coaches. The all-defensive team, Taylor Murray from Kentucky, Tierra McCowan from Mississippi State, Kalia Robinson from Georgia. I really like her. She's a great player. Uh, Janine McKay from Auburn. And then Jasmine Holmes gets the honor. I really thought, considering that they have given so many of these second-team designations, I really thought that Jasmine Holmes and Jordan Danbury had a real chance. Uh, and I still believe they should have made it. All-freshman team, uh, Mississippi State does not have anybody mentioned, so I'm not going to read all that off to you. Uh, the Associated Press offers come out, awards are out as well. The Coach of the Year, Vic Schaefer, Player of the Year, Tierra McCowan, Newcomer of the Year, Ryan Howard, Kentucky. I think everybody will agree on those. Your first team, they have uh, five players, just so you know. Kennedy Carter, Sophie Cunningham, Andrea Howard, Tierra McCowan, Kalia Robinson. Uh, I, I don't know that you could argue against any of that. I think all five of those very deserving of first-team honors. The second team, Renaya Davis from Tennessee, we know her well. Uh, Chelsea Dungy from uh, Arkansas and Taisha Harris in South Carolina. I, I just I just disagree. I, I, I absolutely disagree. Uh, there's no way that I would pick Ty Harris over Jordan Danbury or uh, Jasmine Holmes. Absolutely not. Ryan Howard from Kentucky and Macy Morris from Kentucky. And so that's uh, that, those are your awards there. And uh, the uh, women's tournament begins today. Matter of fact, uh, 10 a.m. today. Uh, the uh, Florida will take on Ole Miss in a 13-12 game, and then second game this afternoon, Vanderbilt versus Alabama. And then that's it for today, and then your ladies back in action uh, on Friday. And uh, Friday, we will have the 11 a.m. game. Mississippi State will play the winner of LSU and Tennessee. That game will take place tomorrow. So if you're looking for that, that'll be 11 a.m. on Thursday, the winner of that game turns around on Friday and plays Mississippi State. It's as simple as that. Now, South Carolina's path to the tournament got a leisure yesterday when it was announced that Kennedy Carter Kennedy Carter is uh, out for the SEC tournament. She is expected to be back for the NCAA tournament, had a finger injury. Uh, they were the three seed in the bracket on South Carolina's side of things. Uh, so... If you look at that side of the bracket, there's really not much to stand between South Carolina and a Sunday matchup. South Carolina has won the tournament four consecutive years. This is what they expect. They won it last year. Beat Mississippi State's best team of all time. Uh, That's something that uh, I'm confident that Vic Schaefer will remind the ladies about between now and Sunday. 
But first of all, we have to get to Sunday, and the road fire Sunday trip is much more difficult. State will have to play either LSU or Tennessee on Friday, and then likely, assuming they win Friday, either Missouri or, or Kentucky on Saturday. And so State, in my uh, estimation, has the much dip, more difficult road, and I think it takes a lot more out of you when you have to play uh, at a high level over a couple of days' time and turn around and play the third consecutive day against your arch nemesis. And so to be honest with you, I think this sets up pretty well for South Carolina. The one thing I will say about that is that I think Mississippi State is a better team in South Carolina. I think Mississippi State showed that in Humphrey Coliseum. And then they go on the road and have one of the worst officiated games of the year and still find a way to win the ball game. And so on a neutral floor, hopefully with the better officials in the conference, you have an opportunity to win that, that game. Now we expect South Carolina fans turn out in numbers, being there in Greenville. But uh, I, I think it's safe to say right now, South Carolina will be in that game on Sunday. Whether Mississippi State is there kind of remains to be seen. Uh, the latest bracketology has Mississippi State as a two seed, and I think the only way you move up to a one seed is in the event there are some major upsets here over the course of the next couple of days. So I, I don't think that State moves above that, and, I, and I'm perfectly fine uh, with State being the two seed in the UConn bracket, because if you watched UConn play against South Florida a couple days ago, you can see South Carolina very, very vulnerable. I mean, pardon me, UConn very vulnerable. Especially with Kate Little Samuelson less than 100%. She didn't play, had some uh, back spasms. Uh, wish her the best. Hope uh, once the NCAA tournament's over, I hope that she makes a full recovery. But uh, we need to go win this ball game, And I think State on the road for the, the third and fourth rounds of, this, of the NCAA tournament, uh, I think you can find a way to go win that thing. I really do. I, I, UConn doesn't scare me. The name scares me. The team doesn't scare me. Geno scares me. But that roster doesn't really scare me. I don't think that Mississippi State's could match up for them. Like, I think Mississippi State's guards can run with UConn. I think UConn struggles in the post. And I think it's one of those things, if the game is officiated properly, and that's always one of the – you never know what you're going to get. You may get a, a, a team or a team of officials that uh, very, very tight with the whistles. And there are others, of course, that will be a little bit loose and fast with the rules and let them play. And uh, if, if they get tight and they start boxing Tierra in, it's going to be a long day. It's as simple as that. But this Mississippi State team is capable of winning a national championship. I don't know that they do win it, but I think it is much more wide open than people realize. I think this is a real opportunity for State because I think Baylor can be defeated. I think Oregon is a good team. I think that it's not a great matchup for Mississippi State, but I think State learned a lot from that. You recall Tierra McCowan did not play much at all in that ballgame. But I think when you look around the league and look around the country, there's nobody you look at and say, you know what, that's a team to beat. That's a team you got to go beat. Because Notre Dame, Louisville, all those teams have dropped games this year. And uh, it's it's really going to boil down to matchups. And it's really going to boil down to health. It's really going to boil down to coaching. But Mississippi State's certainly capable of going all the way this year. And uh, we certainly hope that's the case. I think a lot of people look at the uh, Mississippi State women's basketball team now and kind of feel like if we don't make the Final Four, that uh, it's a disappointment. I mean, and that just shows you how far that Vic Schaefer and Johnny Harris and the staff there have elevated its program to the expectations to the point that it's national championship robust now. Mississippi State opened spring practice yesterday. You can read the uh, the full transcript of what Jim Moorhead had to say. We've got the post over on jeanspage.com for free. You can go read that. 
first day back and uh, didn't get a chance to go over there. Robbie and I were covering baseball. We'll hope to get over there on Thursday. It's one of those deals where we get a chance to go and watch maybe 25, 30 minutes of practice. Uh, everybody a little bit rusty. You know, it's just part of, part of the deal this time of year. But uh, happy to be back on campus, happy to be back and see uh, the football team ready to go. And, uh, you know, Jim Moorhead, you know, very optimistic in his comments and says, you know what, we're going to find a way to build on what we did last year. And uh, one of the things that I wanted to kind of comment about that is that one of the things that I have noticed is that um, no matter what Joe says, that there are some people within the fan base that are going to find fault with it. And I just don't know what that accomplishes. And I know some people out there, it's uh, they kind of want to lay the groundwork uh, to come back later and say, I told you so. Uh, but but here's the deal, and what I would say to that is nobody's really keeping score other than you. You know, my, my motivation behind all of this is I, I want to see Mississippi State do well. It's as simple as that. I, I, don't, I don't need to be right in order to enjoy athletics. If you, want, you know what I'm saying? I don't need to be able to come back later and say, hey, I tried to tell you guys that we weren't any good, that we were going to lose this game. Uh, you know, my attitude about that is, is, is maybe this sports isn't for you. You know, you build a lot of character <laughs> cheering for Mississippi State, that's for sure. But uh, I don't understand why we, we can't have a spring practice report without people saying, well, you know, talk is cheap. You know, that's, that's true of anything. That's true of anything. The proof is in the pudding. And uh, Mississippi State had a good year last year. Many of us were expecting them to have a great year last year. We didn't We didn't get to where we wanted to go. It's year one. Now we've got a new vamp, a newly revamped staff. And uh, it's interesting to me that uh, the people that were so down on some of the hires that Joe made initially uh, so then we, we take some corrective action and bring in some other guys, and then now that's not good enough. And so the thing that I would encourage those of you that truly love Mississippi State and those of you that support Mississippi State, those of you that uh, vote for Mississippi State in every aspect of your life, whether it be uh, wearing maroon on maroon Fridays and, and having the bumper stickers on the car and everything, just ignore those people. Just absolutely ignore them because we'll welcome them back. You know, because when we start winning, they're going to come back. And there are some people that always are forecasting failures, always some some sense of impending doom. I mean, there are some people who can't even enjoy baseball season right now. State's 11-1, and one, ranked top 10 team in the country, and, and we're still finding fault. We're still, we're still finding fault. Well, we're going to we're gonna have to hit the baseball better when we get an SEC play. Yeah, really, no, duh. Okay? We, everybody gets it. That need to be said. It's like, it's like the same person that – we get a new commitment in football, and we can't even enjoy the day of the commitment because somebody has to come out there and say, well, these commitments don't mean anything, a signing day. You know, we all know this without without you saying it. And so let me encourage you, bite your tongue a little bit, okay, and let, let's relax. Sports is supposed to be enjoyable. That's the whole point. We don't. It's not life or death for us. None of us are going to get fired if Mississippi State didn't win a baseball game or night. None of us. That's not going to happen. None of us are going to. We're not going to die. Not going to lose anything over losing a ball game. So pump the brakes a little bit, relax. Joe Moorhead's a very capable and very talented coach. Got a very talented team coming back. We're going. We're a bowl team again this year. Do I expect us to challenge for the SEC West this year? Probably not. But I think we can win eight or nine ball games this year. I think we can get to a decent bowl game. And again, I think this is a, again a step in the right direction. You know, we've got so we've placed a premium on adding recruiters to the staff. I believe we've done that. I'm just going to encourage people to be 
somewhat open-minded about all this. Right? There are some people like, I mean, it, it, right out of the gate, I started getting messages. What did you make of Jim Moorhead's comments? I mean, I thought it was pretty typical first-day comments, what I think. And like, we're already ready to forecast the season based off something he did or didn't say the very first press conference of spring football. I mean, it's just silly. It's absolutely silly. And, and uh, I think I speak for most of us. We just kind of get tired of all that. You know, I mean, let's just you know, get behind the Bulldogs. I mean, we're not even going to play football again for another, you know, right at six months from now. A lot's going to happen between now and then. We're going to we're going to go to the NCAA men's tournament. We're going to go to the NCAA women's tournament. We're going to go to the NCAA tournament in baseball and softball. Uh, we might go back to Omaha. You know, so there's going to be a lot to happen before we even get to SEC media days for football. So rather than making ourselves miserable, thinking about football or what we expect football to be because I still think football is going to be very good I'm just I'm just going to be honest with you I, I think we're going to have a very good team again this year we got we've got a great coaching staff uh, we've got uh, some great players returning we got to find some guys that can plug a gap at defensive tackle but outside of that defensively I think we're going to be really good uh, and it's so funny m- many of these same people that, that are such naysayers they spent the entire 2018 football season begging for Keaton Thompson to be the quarterback well guess what now he is and so now you're getting what you wanted, but we're still complaining. So, again, this is not really about Mississippi State. This is about people. This is about their own insecurities and that sort of stuff. And so, again, let's just relax. Let's just take a few moments and take a deep breath. And say, so, you know what? I love when Mississippi State wins. But I also am realistic enough to know that Mississippi State's not going to win every game. And there are many people out there that will tell you, you know what? We're never going to compete for championships in football. Well, you know I don't know that that's the case. I know that Jackie Sherrill took us to Atlanta, and we should have won the game, okay? We should have won the game and the SEC Championship game. We should have. I'm a couple plays there. We win that ball game, right? Dan Mullen took take us to number one 2014. We go to Tuscaloosa, and uh, we play like we're scared. We had a couple big drops early in the ball game. Make a couple plays there. We win the ball game, and we go to Atlanta. But that's the difference between goodness and greatness. It's making us one or two plays. And I believe at some point we'll get over that hump. I don't know that we ever win a national championship in football, but I do expect us to get back to Atlanta at some point. Maybe after Nick Saban retires, but I do expect us to get back to Atlanta at some point because of the fact that I think Mississippi State is a good football program trending in a positive direction. I think Vic Schaefer is going to win a national championship in women's basketball. I think you all believe that too. We should have won it last year. We had one little stretch there uh, late in the ball game, you know, and people say, well, you know, Morgan William got fouled, and she did. But you know what? If we make a layup there, we win the national championship. Simple as that. A couple plays there. The, the, the biggest difference in sport is between second and first place because the guys and gals that finish first do the things the ones in number two either can't do or aren't willing to do. I expect Mississippi State to win national championships in baseball. I don't think that's far off at all. I think this team, I think this team is capable of doing it. I don't know that we will, but I believe we have the talent to go compete with anybody in the country. I think last year's run to Omaha kind of showed these guys, you know what, you might be a little bit better than you think. And one of the things last year everybody kept saying is, you know, when we ever get this construction behind us, and that was so many so many things, I'm not going to recap it all again, but, you know, we had the coaching change. We couldn't even take BP on our own practice field at Duty Noble Field. We couldn't even get out there and take full BP it's like the final month of the season. And I don't think people understand how significant that is. When you go to BP, that's when you figure out your sight lines and you get used to your hitting backgrounds and all that stuff. And so it's almost like we've played road games in our own stadium. 
the next thing you know, we're able to start doing the things that baseball teams are able to do in their stadiums other than play baseball games. We're able to practice in our own field, and guess what happened? All of a sudden, we got pretty good. I think that's one of the biggest differences between this year and last year is the belief in each other and the fact that we can practice on the baseball field. Then we go on the road and we beat a couple tournament teams. So I think Mississippi State's got an opportunity to do that. And so when these people say, well, Mississippi State will never win championships, I, I, don't, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. I think that's just some people that, that love Mississippi State to kind of be that also ran within the conference, another game on the schedule. They don't want us to be good because we'll challenge the narrative. We'll challenge things. And I think people expect Mississippi State to be good. And listen, and you've heard me say it many times. I, you know, LSU became what I thought Mississippi State was going to be. Skip Burtman took what Ron Polk did and took it to another level. Now, you can say what you want to about guerrilla baseball and whatever, you know. Uh, there's a lot of people that look at that, that whole run with LSU with, uh, you know, and kind of put an asterisk by it. Uh, you know, the bottom line is they won the national championship, multiple national championships. And that bothers me, the fact that they have and we have not, especially as committed as our fan base has been to baseball. But I tip the cap to LSU. They are what we want to be. But I think the gap between us and LSU is a lot closer than it has been. I think right. I think right. I don't think that LSU uh, wants to play Mississippi State right now, and that's the way it used to be. For those of you guys who were around in the '80s and '90s, and you remember what a great rivalry that was, and uh, I think can be again. And I don't just mean Kendall Graveman buzzing Mason Katz on a Sunday ball game. I mean that series determining who wins the Southeastern Conference. I, I think that's. That's what we're kind of trending back to. And I think in many respects, if you look around this conference and you look at who has momentum as baseball programs, who really who has taken steps to improve themselves in the last three to four years uh, with what we have done at Duty Noble Field, I don't know that anybody has the momentum that Mississippi State has. Now, that's not to say that Mississippi State is on the same footing as, say, Vanderbilt or, or LSU right now, but I think we're still turning in that direction. I think the steps that we have taken are unsurpassed. I remember one of the first things we did when we got John Cohen back, and uh, and, let, and let's be honest, that's one of the things that I've, I've said about life, is you, know, you, you, you can't fix what you don't acknowledge, and uh, you learn a lot more from the mistakes you're willing to admit you made, because most people don't learn anything from their mistakes because they're unwilling to admit they made them. We let Duty Noble Field fall into disrepair. That's the reality of things. And when John gets here, what do we do? We'll, we'll, we put some stickers on the pillars and make them look like baseball uh, bats, and uh, we called it a renovation. And, and that's one of the reasons that we fell behind some teams within this league, because we were kind of resting on our laurels and saying, you know what, we've always been good at baseball, we'll always be good in baseball. We did not make the commitment necessary to move our baseball program forward. That is the reality of things. Still believe we should have won an Apple championship in 2013. We should have. We didn't. We got back there. And then what did we do? We come back, and then all of a sudden we began to really get serious and make the commitment to say, you know what, we want to get back there, and we want to win the whole thing. And then we promote John Cohen to be athletic director. And, and you better believe John Cohen's going to take care of baseball. You better believe it. He's done that. And now I expect us to be rewarded. And when I go on these radio shows and I talk to these other guys that cover college baseball, I tell them the only thing that we're missing is a national championship. And once we get one, I'm going to want two. 
Once we get two, I'm going to want three. I, I want what LSU has. I want LSU fans to look at us and envy. That's what I want. Because that's how I look at them. I look at them and think, you know what, this is what we could have been and should have been, but it's what they became. They took over the Southeastern Conference. And then I look at what Florida has done and look at their lack of fan support and their lack of commitment to baseball, and it just seems so unfair to me. It's like, how could this happen? As loyal and dedicated as our fan base has been to Mississippi State, how have we not been rewarded with a national championship? But I believe with all of my heart that it's coming. It may not be this year, but I believe that it's coming. So hopefully we'll see you at the ballpark this weekend. Do you guys come out today? And if you come out today, we encourage you to wear teal uh, to, to support Alex Wilcox and Mississippi State's fight against ovarian cancer. Hope that you guys come out and make it. We'll be back on Friday. Preview what uh, what is to come. We'll know by then who with the uh, SEC Women's Basketball Tournament looks like. Have a couple days under our belt by then. And uh, we'll know who Mississippi State's playing. We'll get try to get that show out pretty early so you guys can uh, can listen to that before the, the, uh, the ladies take the, the floor. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.